So in part one of lesson two, we learned the background behind why Peter would have asked the question of Jesus, Lord, if that's you, then command me to come out and walk on the water. Peter wanted to be like his rabbi. He had the fire in his chest, the passion to actually commit everything he had to be like Jesus. And then we saw that he doubted, started sinking in the water. But all of this is a clear example, such a clear example of that Rabbi Talmud model. I remember when I was in Israel, and we did see a rabbi coming with his Talmudim to the Kotel Plaza, the prayer wall. And his disciples were close behind the rabbi. And I've heard that even when the rabbi would go to the bathroom, his Talmudim, his disciples would go into the bathroom with him to learn how his rabbi might talk to God while he's in going to the bathroom. They wanted to know everything about their rabbi. Now, there are other examples of this as well. For instance, we know that Jesus prayed. And we know his disciples saw him. His disciples were with him. They were with him all the time. This is like family. And I mean, let's take a look at some of the verses, just some. There are many others. We read in Matthew 14, 23. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And it was evening. He was there alone. Mark 135, in the, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went to a secluded place, an erosmos in Greek, and was praying there. Luke 5, 16. Okay, again, he's in the wilderness, actually, erosmos. The uh, Greek word erosmos, I believe, is used again there. Erosmos can mean wilderness. Luke 6, 12. He spent the whole night in prayer. Luke 9, 18. And it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he questioned them, saying, who do the people say that I am? So indeed, and indeed, the disciples, they see Jesus pray. And they've got to be wondering, what's his prayer like? We want to pray like him. We need to ask our rabbi to teach us in what manner we should be praying. And so one day, it happens. And it happens in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. So a disciple definitely wants to be like his rabbi. We've seen the places where Jesus has prayed. And here it is, Luke 11, starting in verse 1. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. This is no surprise. A disciple wants to be like their rabbi. The twelve wanted to be like Jesus. So he teaches them the Lord's Prayer in Hebrew, uh, you might say, Hatafila Adonai. Hatafila, the prayer, Adonai, of Adonai, the Lord's Prayer. I renamed it as Hatafila Hatalmadim. Hatafila, the prayer, Hatalmadim, the disciples. 
the prayer of the disciples. He gave it to us to pray. And perhaps Jesus himself prayed what we would call the Lord's Prayer, that he prayed this to his Father, and now he gives it to us so we could be like him. It's his prayer. And he teaches us to be like him. It becomes our prayer since it was his. This is amazing also because if you study this very carefully, this is the only prayer in the entire Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation where God says, this is how I want you to pray. There's no other place. Oh, there's prayers in the Bible. But this one is for all his disciples. For me, each and every day, I start with Hatafila Hatamadim, the prayer of the disciples. In other words, the Lord's Prayer. Because my rabbi, my Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, this is what he said to do in order to pray. And after that, I do the Shema and other things, but this is how I start. I want to be like my rabbi. Another thing is, here we have a painting by James Tissot, and he's sending out the disciples two by two. We read about this in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord, Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs into the midst of wolves. John 17, 21, we read, that they may, his disciples, all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Why did they go? Because Jesus had taught them, as the Father has sent me, I send you. And they're disciples of the rabbi. So this means a disciple wants to be like his rabbi. They want to be sent as well. So, all of us are disciples. And does not mean all of us will be sent. But don't be surprised if the Lord does come to you and sends you. When you actually look at the New Testament the word disciple or disciples appears over 200 and in, in, in over 250 verses. The word apostle or apostles appears in over 70. I think this demonstrates that everyone's a, uh, a disciple, but not all of us are going to be sent out. Not all of us are going to be shalakim, apostolos, or ones that are sent out. The 12 were. They were disciples and apostles. They were sent out, they came back, and they were disciples again. They're always disciples. But every once in a while, some of them are sent out, like Paul. Paul being sent out. And then when he comes back to Jerusalem, he's a disciple again. So here we read Luke 6, 13 through 16. And when the day came, 
he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Simon and Andrew and James and John and Philip, etc. So again, they were disciples. This shows it. And then he calls these also to be apostles. And every one of them, except Judas, obviously, he betrayed Jesus and killed himself before the crucifixion. But these 11, they went to the ends of the earth to actually bring the salvation of God to the entire world. And many of them, if not most of them, were martyred. So what was an apostle then? One sent out. It differs somewhat with the meaning of apostle today in the church in the 21st century. When you go into Thayer's Greek lexicon, the Greek word for apostle is apostolos, and you can see the Strong's number, G652. But when you use Thayer's Greek lexicon, Thayer's will always, always give you help in understanding the Hebrew words that this Greek word translates in the Septuagint. And so you can see the red arrow on the screen pointing to the Hebrew word. Now you have to know a little bit of Hebrew and how to actually look up these words. Uh, but when you do and you have that ability, we find that the word shaleach comes from the word shalach to send. A shaleach is one who is sent. Strong's numbers H7972. Disciples are not all called to be sent. Some are going to stay. Some are actually going to be sent. 1 Corinthians 12.28, classic verse, some are called as apostles, some as prophets, some as teachers, some as the worker of miracles, some as healers, some as helpers. God is trying to show us that indeed not all disciples are apostles. Not all of us are prophets. Not all of us are teachers. God gives us our special tasks that he has prepared for us. Here's Stephen. He was a disciple, you read about it in Acts 7, and he helped the teachers so that they could teach. You're a disciple. All of us are disciples. We have no choice in the matter. Then the question is, are you ready to live to be like him? to be like Peter with a fire in your chest, to actually go walk on water, to do the impossible? And actually walking on water, as Jesus calls, I wouldn't just go walk on water on my own. Peter saw Jesus. But what if we saw Jesus and he asked us to do something that was literally impossible? Would we be like Peter? Would we have the fire in our chest to actually go walk on water? Now remember, walking on water is spectacular, but Jesus washed feet. Can you, as a disciple? Stephen was a disciple of Yeshua. He washed tables. Can you? So I have experienced 
some of this in my life. And I have to say, it's not been easy. You're looking at a picture of the classroom and me teaching in Vincente Guerra on the Baja in Mexico. I didn't know this. I was teaching at a church, Emmanuel Lutheran in Bloomington, Minnesota. And the pastor, the head pastor, was taking the class along with another key member of their congregation. And I did know that the woman, the key member of their congregation, also went down to Vincente Guerra on the Baja on a regular basis to help at the mission. It's a huge orphanage there in Mexico. Well, they were taking my class, and they said to me, John, could we take some books? Um, well, they didn't say they, they wanted to take books to Mexico. They just said, do I have some extra books? They wanted to share them with people. And I had a few books left for my class. And I said, sure. Little did I know that the pastor and this woman went down to Vincente Guerra on the Baja because the man that you see there standing next to me, my interpreter, Carlos Quiada, who was the head of the Bible Institute, they were very, very interested in me coming down to teach the Bible in its historical context and reconnecting their students to the Jewish roots of our faith. So the head pastor and the woman went down there, and all week the people at the Bible Institute studied my works studied my teaching, and they said, this is the man that we had to have. Now, I didn't know anything about this. So when they came back, and I'm still teaching my class here in Bloomington, Minnesota, the pastor said, you're going to Mexico. And I'm kind of saying, no, I'm not. There's no way <laughs> I'm going to Mexico. I felt like one of the 11 in the boat that we saw in part one, I didn't want to get out of the boat. I didn't want to go to Mexico. To me, teach at the Bible Institute, this was nuts. I'm not walking on water. I, this is an example that some of us encounter where God asks us or, or puts opportunity in front of us, and it just seems impossible. It just seems so totally uh, disconnected from what we want to do. However, I did it, and I've been teaching there for nine years, and the impact was just awesome. I'm going to move the picture of me talking here, because I do want you to see a better picture of Carlos. Carlos and I have become very close friends, and it just so happens that the Bible Institute itself has moved to the area of Guadalajara, and it's now uh, located at a place called Arandas, about 80 miles, uh, 80 miles east of Guadalajara. And I returned there here in February to teach pastors. They're going to invite 20, 25, 30, 40 churches to come to the conference because the Bible Institute moved from Vincente Guerrero down to Arandas. And uh, we're in a location that is just amazing. I, I think the Lord had his hand in this because we're, we're going 
And we'll be working together there at the Bible Institute in a place called the Circle of Silence. It's the one place in the state of Jalisco, Mexico, where the word of God is needed the most in the entire country. And now Light of Menorah, along with the Bible Institute, will be together there. Little did I know that God had this in mind. But then, in March of 2020, a while back, COVID hit, and the church is closed. And for me at that time, I'm in prayer, and I'm basically asking the Lord, the Lord, is the light of Menorah done? There's no churches that are open where I can go teach. Now what do I do? And I'll never forget that morning in prayer were the words formed in my head. The words formed on my head, and the words were, you will do podcasting. And I said, Lord, there's no, I mean, podcasting, that's the last thing I ever even thought of. There's, there's just no way. How can I do like it? it? That was like jumping out of the boat. That was like walking on water. I don't know how to do podcasting. Well, What's interesting, it's nearly four years later. And after four years later, so happens that I've got over 300 audio and video lessons that I've done since March of 2020. And the primary focus was for me to teach Torah for Christians. And I've been doing that, again, like I said, since... March of 2020, and we're now almost done with Genesis, and we're just about halfway through Exodus at this time. If you're interested, you could Google the following words, YouTube, Light of Menorah Ministries. And if you do that, you should come to the link or the links for Light of Menorah, uh, the Light of Menorah YouTube channel, and be able to access the podcasts and the vidcast right from there. But indeed, these last few years of trusting God and Him putting these opportunities in front of me, it really is challenging. I, at my age, going back to Mexico and continuing this work, it's like, Lord, I, I should be sitting at home uh, watching baseball or whatever, but I'm not. We have to accept the challenges, and I have to say, they have been difficult for me. But once you obey him, it's unbelievable the blessing that he gives us. And indeed, to be his disciple, following Rabbi Yeshua. Jesus does not want converts. He doesn't say that anywhere. And we are disciples by God's grace saved through faith this is a gift there's no way we can actually attain the position of being a Talmud a disciple of Adonai Yeshua to go out and be his reflection throughout the entire world no matter where we are to be go in his image to go in his name we this is by grace we're sinners and we have to rely on him to make us into new creatures. That we could be disciples of Jesus.
This goes on in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. There's the wording. Since the wording is there in Christ Jesus, it means we're disciples of Jesus. He is the one we are committed to. So another way of reading this is, for we are his workmanship, created because we're disciples of Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Imagine, God has good works prepared beforehand for you and for me, that we would walk in them. But the interesting thing is, and I've experienced this, when that opportunity comes, when the door is open and it, it, it really seems like God is pointing you to a specific work, a specific ministry, a specific service. Have we got the chutzpah? Have we got the guts to go forward? Do we have the fire in your in our chest? In your chest and my chest? Do we have the passion like Peter? to do the impossible if Jesus calls us to? Do we have the strength to wash tables? And to be like Jesus and wash feet? Being a disciple is not easy. It's a matter of life and death. <laughs> 